Hello! My name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 185 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. I am joined this very early Sunday morning by <laughs> my good friend Ray Vargas. How you doing, Ray? I'm doing good, Joe. How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. I yeah. feel like even though this was a busy week, like... Mm. Life-wise, I got a lot of geeking in done. <laughs> what? Well, I guess time time is not an issue. Um, it's not that time's not an issue. I think I've just kind of like stayed up later than I'm supposed to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess more more work calls for more play sometimes. <laughs> seriously, seriously, and I find that like Saturdays, I'm just so spent that I I <laughs> I saw a meme the other day that was like. Did you do anything today? No, I wasn't productive at all. Oh, did you at least get rest and and relaxation in? No, I, I didn't seem to get that in. <laughs> yeah, that's totally true. I totally feel that for sure. <laughs> uh, well, what what have you been up to? What what geekiness did you get to experience this week? Oh man, you know I wasn't sure whether to bring this up with you uh, off mic or you know, during the recording of this podcast, but uh, I have been geeking out on WandaVision. Mm -hmm. Like I'm sure a lot of you have out there. And I was going to suggest to you, I know when we, when this show first started airing, we decided rather than do week to week um, reviews, excuse me, um, we would wait after the first three episodes to do our review episode and kind of go over everything in the first three episodes, especially with the, the episodes being so short. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then, and so we did our first episode, hopefully you all listen to it. Uh, we're getting ready to do our next review episode after the next three episodes of WandaVision. So episodes four, five, and six, which six airs next week. We just, we just all yeah, watched. So it'll be, it would be next week's topic. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but Joe, but I noticed, I don't know if you noticed, this last episode was longer. Oh, was it? Yes, it was 42 minutes. It goes so fast. And, <laughs> and I think that they are going to continue to get longer and longer the more time we spend outside of, uh, you know. The bubble. The bubble, the, the hex. So that combined with the fact that we're getting more story per episode, I'm wondering if after next week's review, we might want to devote, you know, maybe a, a chunk of, of each podcast we record, like just weekly to the last three episodes. I think that's great because it's very hard to hang on. Because I think, <laughs> I think normally if it was something we were enjoying, we would be like geeking out about it together. But I think because we want to save it for the podcast, we're not like we just we just send each other things. Yep. We don't really talk about those things. Yep, we're like so watch true. this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was just thinking, you know, like you said, it's it'd be great to be able to talk to, with you about these things every week as they happen because now as, as opposed to the beginning of the show where it seemed very little was happening now there's so much happening yeah it's really it's it's kind of intense how much stuff they're cramming into every episode yeah so i'm glad that you're in agreement with me because i would really like to go over each episode with you right after we watch them and also 
it's getting harder and harder to avoid spoilers. Um, this this episode, I mean, this series seems to have created this sort of uh, it, it's a thing right now, which is great. You know that that happens every now and then with with a piece of media where kind of the general you know social consciousness just you know adopts it <laughs> and, <laughs> and sort of you know it, it becomes this great ongoing conversation. Um, and so one of the reasons we're going to talk about spoilers today is not not for a specific story, just the the concept of spoilers in general is what we're going to talk about today um, is because of WandaVision. So, yeah. you know, without giving away spoilers, that's what I've been geeking out on this week is WandaVision. <laughs> uh, what about you? Yeah, definitely. I like, as I put in my little notes, hours upon hours of WandaVision YouTube. Like, it's like anytime I have a spare five minutes, I go try and find another video and then um my friend marcel is watching it as well <laughs> on friday um her daughter had a big project assigned to her and made her promise not to watch it without her mm. She's like, it's driving me nuts i want to just cheat um <laughs> <laughs> because we couldn't talk about it but now every tuesday the two of us kind of geek out about it it's it's i'm i'm getting wandavision from every direction and it's awesome yeah yeah so um I'm so, by the way, I'm so happy that you are, uh, I feel like I've been part of your recruitment to film YouTube and now you're like <laughs> watching all these, like, uh, uh, you know, oh, that was loud car. D- did you just get eaten by something? <laughs> <laughs> that guy is in a rush. <laughs> motorcycle i don't know what that was mad max out there (laughs) um yeah i i love all these like 10 to 20 minute you know film like and analyzing like uh uh, videos on youtube i just they're uh they're so comforting to me i can just have them on in the background while i'm doing stuff okay so that that makes me excited because um that kind of leads into something else i geeked out about i know i i am i am starting a little earlier than you are because um I've I've got Matt. <laughs> and we have to we have to drag Matt screaming and kicking through this this project that we have just started. I don't think we've announced it to anybody, so we can talk about it now. Um so I have finally convinced Ray, or Ray has finally decided. I don't know if I convinced him or not, but um he is going to start watching Buffy soon. Yes. And I am so very, very, very excited because I do kind of think that Buffy is probably my favorite TV show. Wow. Like, I, I really think it's that good. Uh, I, I can't think off the top of my head something that I would go to quicker than Buffy. You, you want to guess real quick what's my favorite TV show ever? <laughs> oh, God. I'm afraid to. I f- yeah, I feel like you'll never guess in a million years. That, that's no, a setup. I've that's a trick never, question. Yeah, I... I are you going to say I don't have one because I don't like TV? <laughs> You're right. I don't really like TV, but I do have one. And honestly, it shocks and appalls most of my friends when they find out what my favorite TV thing of all time Go, is. I have no clue. Go for it. It's Mad Men. Oh, that's right. I think I kind of knew that. Okay. Yeah. And that shouldn't shock or appall anybody. It's an amazing show. Uh, I get, yeah, I get some really disappointed looks. <laughs> 
Um, I, then again, you know, it's, it's the circles you run with, right? right? Like most people are like, really? That's really, you know, misogynistic and, you know, really racist. And I'm like, that's, that's part that's of the, the show. Point. <laughs> like they're not, but they're not saying, oh, this is wonderful. We should go back to right, this. Right, right. They're exactly. like, look at how awful. The- I mean, we've talked multiple <laughs> times on this show about the, the littering scene alone. Everybody's just like, oh, the God. horror. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So uh, back to Buffy, though. I'm excited. It's this has been years in the making. Yes, yes, it really has. Like I, I <laughs> constantly like you should do it. Yeah, yeah, I know. You should really do it. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, so last night, I, I think I've I've mentioned that we we a while ago decided we we're going to rewatch the series. Me and we, I have uh, two friends, Jeff and Jean, and we actually met and became friends over Buffy. We went to a – well, beer and Buffy because we went to a one of those underground meals where there's like, you know, 16 seats and they – you know, you have to buy a ticket and you go and you all sit at a communal table and they bring you out a pre-plated – like a pre, pre-fixed meal and you're just – it's kind of there to meet people in your community. Awesome. And he, he was brought there with some uh, – Jeff was brought there with some friends and he sat next to me and <laughs> being gay men, we uh, don't often find other gay men who enjoy beer. Mm-hmm. And so that started it. And we started talking about, about beer and the beer places in the, the desert that we go to and, and, you know, consuming the, the artesian beers and all that stuff. Um, and then we somehow got onto Buffy, and it's like one of their favorite shows, and it's my favorite show. So that's how we bonded, and how we met. And we decided a while ago that we were going to watch the full seven series run together. We just like every week we'd just hang out and and we'd watch. Whoa! And we started it, and Matt hated it. <laughs> oh! And we just kind of like anytime I suggested we do it, he was like, eh, I don't know, I don't know. So. Um, when I heard that we were going to do this for the show, I was very excited. I'm like, but how do I do this? Well, I know that if I started up with Jeff and Jean again, they'll be game and Matt will be more likely to join because he is, he wants to, you know, he wants to hang out with people, especially now that we haven't hung out with anybody in a while. And since they've come back out here from Minnesota, they're snowbirds. Um, they've kind of become part of our bubble because, you know, we know that they're taking care of themselves and they know mm-hmm. how to take care of ours. So important. Very. So long story made longer. Um, I knew that Matt was not looking forward because their suggestion was that we just start over again. And he already doesn't like watching shows he's already watched. So the idea of rewatching something he already doesn't like, he was just not looking forward to it. So what I did is because Buffy season one is not good. (laughs) It's got every episode has a little nugget of wonderful in it. Every episode in the show has a wonderful nugget in it, but, but it, it is a rough start to a wonderful series. So what I suggested is instead of we, we had gotten a good way through season one, but it'd been a long time. And so instead of rewatching it, I found online a YouTube channel called um, passion of the nerd, passion of the nerd or passion of the geek, passion of the geek. I don't know. One of the two. Tomato, I, I tomato. tomato yeah, tomato. <laughs> yeah, I'll look it up. I think it's Passion of the Geek, Passion of the Nerds, something like that. Anyway, I think it's nerds. And this guy basically, he starts off with a review, which I sent you, of why you should watch Buffy. And it goes through all the arguments with people that say, well, 
this is why I haven't watched it yet. And it's like production value. It's, I don't like vampires, like all those things he, he addresses. And so I sent that to you because I think it's brilliant. And it kind of warns you that season one is going to be rough. Mm. But what we did last night is we watched episodes. Well, we watched his review of episodes one through 11. And so it gave us the plot. It introduced the characters. It let us know what was going on with all the different episodes, but we didn't have to sit through and watch the really bad ones. And there are quite a few. There's like four essential episodes in season one. Um. And then we watched the last episode, which is one of the better episodes in the series. And that was our evening. So next time we get together, which will be sometime next weekend, we can start on season two where it gets markedly better. You know, I, I've come a long way on this because I, I've in the past when I would get, you know, have a show recommended to me, um, there was a really good chance that I wasn't going to be checking out the show if the recommendation came with the caveat of it gets really good in season two. Mm-hmm. Because my thing was always, uh, <laughs> one, I don't have a lot of time to devote <laughs> to something right. I don't like. I don't know if I can stick with something I don't like for an entire season waiting for it to be good. And two, why can't you just make it good from <laughs> the beginning? Like why, you know, why are you waiting to make it good? But nowadays, I, you know, I get that writers, you know, it takes a while sometimes for a writing team to figure out a show and figure out the dynamics and, you know, get, get the, get to the place where they want the show to be in order to tell the story they want to tell. Um, and this is mostly because I've just convinced um, my partner to start watching Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's a huge Office fan. And she had never seen Parks and Rec. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're <laughs> this is going to be a gift. <laughs> and, you know, I I told her they figure it out after season one. Uh, thankfully, season one is only six episodes long, half hour episodes. And two, they still find a way to make it funny. Mm-hmm. So, like, as long as there's something to latch on to, you know what I mean? Yeah. While they figure out the character dynamics or whatnot, it, it makes it a lot easier to to kind of get through. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing with Buffy season one. It's shoestring budget because it was a mid-season replacement, and it's right. called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So I don't think that the producers were really – I like. I think they were invested because they thought it was a good concept, but they really didn't expect it to succeed. Mm-hmm. And and Joss Whedon ended every season with a finale because he was fully prepared to not be renewed the next year. <laughs> um, and because this is back in the day when when everything was was episodic, like it wasn't it wasn't a it was it was it was the monster of the week format. It had not. This was one of the first shows that transitioned into we're going to have a season long mm-hmm. arc. Mm-hmm. Um, it just wasn't done back then because this is the the late nineties, right? And and so, season. <laughs> thankfully, season one is only twelve episodes long, and there are plenty of guides on there that tell you which ones are the essential viewing. <laughs> and if you watch the the Passion of the Nerds um, reviews, it kind of sums everything up. I would still recommend for our sake that you suffer through them because there's some episodes that you're going to want to trash and it'll just be fun. Oh, I'm um, all in man. And yeah, I, I yeah. convinced my partner to do this with me. So, uh, we're both all in We're we're excited and looking forward to this experience. 
Yeah, I would say I would say give me give me a just message me and be like, all right, this episode <laughs> before you watch it, and I'll respond with like a brace yourself, it's going to be bad, or no, this is this is a good one. You'll be you'll you will hopefully enjoy this one. You know, just just so you know that the ones that are really bad, we all we all are very aware of how bad they are. I don't know if I want those kind of spoilers. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. And we're going to talk about that later. <laughs> um. I put in here just because <laughs> you know how how our our significant others have little annoying things that they do. <laughs> and yeah, yes, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> got really quiet because we're both in there. We're in our living spaces with these people. Um, so when I when I started dating Matt, he he insists on getting the organic peanut butter, which is fine. I get it. It's probably healthier healthier than Jif. I get it. It's fine, <laughs> but. Anybody who has organic peanut butter knows that what happens is it comes to you with all the oil separated out and floating on top. And before you can eat the peanut butter, (laughs) you have to mix in the oil, which is a tedious, life-destroying process. (laughs) It's just like it sloshes all over. It is is horrible. And have you ever had to do this? Hell yeah. Here's a tip. Don't keep your peanut butter in the fridge. Oh, yes. You can't put it in the fridge until after you've stirred it. Yes. Yes. Um, so I have, a, I have a life hack for you. And this makes me very happy that I found this out because it works. Next time you go buy a new jar of peanut butter, buy two. And stir that last jar because this is the last jar you're going to have to suffer through. The other jar, put in your cabinet upside down. Oh. And what happens is, is the oil floats up to the top. And mixes kind of premixes, yes. and then when you finally flip it over to mix it, you're not sloshing the oil all around because it's down towards the. It's not down towards the bottom. It's kind of in the Dude, middle. Yes, and it makes like once I saw it, I'm like that makes complete sense. And now I do it all the time, and it's not terrible. But he still insists. He still doesn't want to do this the mixing, so he leaves like a a half a spoon of peanut butter in there where it's just enough not to throw away the jar but it's not enough to have possibly put on anything no sandwich no to- like <laughs> drives me nuts and i had to i just had to put that in there because this morning like five minutes before we were going to record i had mixed peanut butter not <laughs> you know i also buy organic peanut butter and um i it, it's one of those things joe where it's like you get that technically it is better in a number mm-hmm. of ways. Mm-hmm. And yet I remember the last time, I don't know where I was, someone's home, whatever. And I was accessing the peanut butter and they didn't have organic peanut butter. They had Jif or Jiffy. Uh-huh. And um, God, it was so nice. I just really enjoyed <laughs> It's just one of those things where I'm like, you know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of uh, when when I, my sister and I were, were really young. Uh, my dad has always been very adventurous with food. He's always into like introducing us to new things. My mom was always more about her creature comforts, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, I remember one day he bought this new salad dressing and we were like all excited because it was so good. Uh, I can't remember what it was called. It was like Green Goddess or something like that. And mm-hmm. we were all excited. And, you know, we wanted that every time we had a salad. And my mom was the only one at the table that would just stick to her Thousand Island dressing. Um, and then one day <laughs> I just decided to go with Thousand Island. And it was like, 
this is better. Like I was, yeah. I, was so, <laughs> I was so excited about doing something different that it actually like the enjoyment level stopped being the main, you know, my main motivator. Why? Why? <laughs> like, whatever makes you happiest, you should just do. Like stop, yes. like stop overthinking it. Well, I have been known to to smuggle a a like honey roasted peanut butter jar of like <laughs> name brand peanut butter to school so that I can have it in peace and comfort without being judged by my significant other. Um, <laughs> oh God, overthinking basic life things. Basic uh-huh. life things, but you're welcome. Peanut butter hack it 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 will it will make peanut butter so much better for you. Such a peanut butter geek. And the last thing I have to say, because like I said, we've geeked out a lot about this. If you are not from California and about Ray and my age, you probably know nothing about this unless you're really into true crime. But Ray, when you were growing up, did you remember the Night Stalker? Joe, not only do I remember the Night Stalker, uh, he was captured in East Los Angeles where I grew up. Right. So, I mean, we all knew about the Night Stalker. And so, if you guys haven't heard about the Night Stalker, he was a serial killer in the mid-80s when we were kids. And the thing that set him apart from a lot of other serial killers is that he didn't discriminate on age, gender, or location. Like, he just run amok in Southern California for, like, a year. And... um. And, and on top of that, he would also attack and molest children. It was awful. So everybody in Southern California, like everybody, it doesn't matter what race, class, gender, like it doesn't matter. Everybody in Southern California at this time was like, oh my God, the Night Stalker. It was terrifying. I remembered having conversations with kids at like seven or eight years old about how this guy was breaking into people's houses and killing people. Terrifying. So there is an excellent series on netflix about the case it's just like a limited series about the night stalker if you like true crime oh my god it's so good and it was weird ray because all this stuff came back it was like i remember that photo (laughs) being in the newspaper i remember that even even down to our um our newscasters you're like i don't remember her but i remember that name and all the transitions (laughs) in between my cartoons Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was quite the quite the trip down memory lane. And Matt, Matt was like, "Really?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, no, this was a thing. If you were down here, it was terrifying." Um, and then that led us to, and the, the whole reason why I bring it up is that we're like, "Okay, we got to do more true crime because we really love it." Mm-hmm. Did you ever watch Making a Murderer? No. Holy shit, Ray! <laughs> it like the the basis is. We thought, okay, it's it's two parts. And we thought, okay, part one, part two, same story. No, no. Part one, episode one, tells you about this guy in Wisconsin who is arrested for rape and then convicted. And then and the entire time maintaining his innocence. And then it was one of the big court cases that came out where he was exonerated 18 years later because of DNA evidence. Oh, wow. But spent 18 years in prison. And so quick spoiler, because I don't think it like if you really don't want to know anything more, 
tune out for five minutes, but it's essential for getting you hooked, I think. Um, so then he gets out and he like sues the city police for false imprisonment and in the process gets arrested again for murder and still maintains his innocence and still maintains that once again, the cops have framed him and we were on episode three. (laughs) (laughs) There's 10 episodes in this series. Whoa. I swear to God, right? Every episode you're like, what the fuck? It's like watching a tennis match. He's guilty. (laughs) He's not guilty. He's guilty. He's not. And like, Matt and I are obsessed with it. And apparently season two is a whole nother guy. Wow. So they spend the whole first season on just one guy. On just one guy. When did this air? Oh, I think a a while ago, because this is like, this is what kind of kicked off the true crime craze that's been happening, happening the last couple of years. That's interesting because uh, many years ago, I would say, oh gosh, over 10 years ago now, (laughs) Uh, I was with someone who was really, I lived with somebody who was really into true crime and she introduced me to forensic files. Uh, I don't know. Have you ever heard of forensic files? I haven't. Okay. I mean, I think I've heard of it, but yeah. Yeah. It's like one of those like half hour, like basic, not basic cable, but like cable television shows um, (laughs) that kind of goes over like a different uh, crime every episode mm-hmm. uh it aired on like god i don't remember if it was like lifetime or true network or like am not amc but like one of those you know uh random cable stations mm-hmm. and there was a few it wasn't the forensic files was one of them but there there were others as well very formulaic you know mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. uh oh it was like on true tv uh, or tlc but um, also cold case files, uh, right? <laughs> like, um, so that was sort of my introduction at the time to this whole true crime kind of underground like subculture. You know, people that just like were really little did I know my sister was part of that subculture as well because she had this whole like serial killer like textbook that she like, would carry around and read <laughs> and people just like were really into this stuff so it's interesting that that lately i would say the last you know two to five years it's really like become a, a more mainstream thing yeah okay so i, well, I looked it up it started <clears throat> in december of 2015 and it ended in october of 2018 mm. so um so that's a thing and then I, I don't know if they're going towards the we solved the crime on the internet, but all of these things end up being solved on the internet now. <laughs> like if you look at if you look at um I, I mentioned it before, and again, spoiler, um, but there's a podcast called Up and Vanished, which I think I've talked about on here before, where if you were wa- listening to it in real time, like the guy's like investigating and every week he's telling about what he investigated and they, they solve the crime in real time as you're listening to the podcast and they, they report on the trial on the podcast. Like it was a news show mm. and people are getting on. There's um, another one. Uh, don't, don't fuck with internet cats. Oh yeah. Don't, don't, yeah. Don't mess with cats or don't. Yeah. Like yeah. That. And, uh, and so, 
the people, like people online, just they saw something, they didn't like it, they investigated the shit out of it, and they solved the crime. Yeah. It's like, it's kind of nuts. I've heard a lot about that cat one, and as a cat lover, like a devoted cat lover, let me just say, I wish people cared that much about human beings. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I fully agree. Slightly offensive to me, but <laughs> and this is somebody who adores cats, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, these are these are pretty engrossing. I feel like I have to be in a mood to, yes. to watch this yeah. stuff. But I just saw a great one. I think I mentioned it um, in in a in a podcast we did as far as what I was geeking out on. Um, it's a series on HBO. It's a series of four or five, uh, documentary episodes called, uh, I'll be gone in the dark. And it is a true crime documentary based on the book called I'll be gone in the dark, um, by Michelle McNamara, who, uh, is Patton Oswalt's, uh, deceased wife. Yes. I wanted to see it and I couldn't, I couldn't remember what it was called. And then I just forgot about it. But yes, I definitely want to see this. I have not read the book, which I heard is amazing, but the documentary weaves in the, the her, what she's writing about in the book, which is the golden state killer uh, along with her experience of writing the book and researching for the book. And of course, you know, her death and everything, which by mm-hmm. this point, it's not a spoiler, but um, no. yeah, watch the documentary. It is. Um, I recently rewatched it. It is amazing. It holds up. That's really exciting. Yeah. And and just because you reminded me with that title, I also, on your suggestion, started listening to Spooked. Yes. So good. <laughs> yes. So good. <laughs> yeah, I'm still really enjoying that. Yeah, no, I, I the first episode was really, really good. I think some <laughs> of the stories are a little bit hit and miss as far as like, okay, this isn't my kind of spooky, but yeah. I understand where it would be. Yeah. But some of the stories are just like, oh my God. Oh God, yeah. Yeah. Some of them are great. Well, I can't remember the first episode, but was there one story about the the person running like and running and hiding? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one where where she oh, heard the voice. Oh, oh. God! <laughs> crap out of me. Yeah, yeah. There's some really good stories on Spooked Podcast. Check it out if you're into that thing. Yeah. So, like I said, this week for some reason, I just got all into all sorts of stuff. Cool. And still, and still was able to get all I, the dice roll out. I know we've been talking for a minute, but uh, and we got to go to break soon. But you have something on here. That I'm that piqued my interest when I read it. Maybe MCU rewatch leading up to Black Widow? Question mark. Oh, yes. So I might be. I haven't. I haven't committed myself to this yet. But I realized if I start not this week but next week, and watch two movies a week, I will end with one movie the week that Black Widow comes out. No way. Yes. So I'm seriously considering doing that. I wish I had done it sooner. So it could have just been one movie a a week because I think that would be a little bit easier to do. But I am seriously considering doing an MCU rewatch. And I am perfectly happy if people are interested in like getting a Twitter chain going or I might do that with you. Oh, awesome. I have been trying to find a good time to start a rewatch with my partner who for her would just be a watch. 
Yeah. But we're all done with the DCEU. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I'm into WandaVision. Uh, She obviously is not watching, but also would have no idea what's going on. Um, And uh, I I kept saying that I wanted to wait till this summer to watch these with her. But it's getting so hard, Joe, to wait. Right, especially with WandaVision. Yes, and and if you got if you did if you did this with her now, you could. She would be she would be prepped fully for Black Widow. Exactly. Yeah. Although I gotta say, oh, I'm, okay. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it. When does um Zack Snyder's Justice League come out? I believe it's next Ooh. month. Is it? And we're watching that. So yeah. Maybe I'm I'm gonna wait till after that just to not watch both things concurrently, if that makes sense. Okay. Like, I probably will still start when I start just because yeah, if yeah. I don't, um I won't make it because yeah. I can't I can't I won't be able to get Matt to sit down and watch that over again. Like he's just right. not interested. <laughs> it's just not gonna happen. Right. Um, but I can always like watch it Sat- Saturday and Sunday mornings are kind of my I can do whatever I need to mornings because then i know you know matt sleeps in late and uh and that gives me a chance to kind of get anything done that i know he's not going to be interested in i feel mad on that (laughs) (laughs) it's so funny because he he says well is wandavision something you want me to give you another try i'm like no i'm not gonna make you suffer through something you're not enjoying it's fine Mm -hmm. i i think you would at the but let me get through the end of it and we'll see i don't i don't mind rewatching it and he's like well when are you watching it (laughs) i i get Every morning before school, I get up, I write my my questions for the day for the kids. I, you know, pre-do any assignments I needed. I basically oh, generally, pe- yeah, I generally prep before class every morning. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, uh, working at home, people think, well, you're working at home. Yeah, no, it's a lot harder because you're doing it all on your own time. You must be a morning person, though. I, I really, well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I am. <laughs> oh, I was going to say I'm answer that not. for you. <laughs> I, I think more accurately, I just don't like sleep. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I just don't like sleep. I feel like I feel like that is valuable time I could be doing something interesting. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I would if I could survive on going to bed really late and getting up really early, I would. I just have learned that I can't and I know I function better. Interesting. Okay, my, my partner's like that. Yeah. So so I get up early and I I get all that stuff done for the school day and then I'm ready to go. Well, I have started getting ready on Thursday nights for Friday so that in the morning I can wake up and just go right. Yes. Like preset my coffee to go off so that it's ready when I wake up. I jump in the shower, take my shower, get my coffee, and now I can watch WandaVision. That's great. Yeah, that's (laughs) – I do the same thing. All right. Well, then let's let's re-examine or think about MCU. I am perfectly fine going back and rewatching. You've watched most movies multi- multiple times, so it's not like you yep. can't weigh in on the conversation. Yeah, this would be my fourth rewatch of the MCU. Jesus, like <laughs> I am both impressed and concerned. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I, I've, if we if we talk about rewatches, um, I'm one who has no problem going in and just watching the airport battle. 
in Civil War. I I will often, in fact, I did it. I did the it, sort of this week. I didn't watch the the the, the um, Civil War battle, but I will I will go and watch the the big action battles in episodes over. Uh, this week I watched the the epic ending of Endgame battle. That just makes me happy. Yeah. Like I could sit that I could sit and watch that on loop for hours if I had to. Yeah, yeah. I have I have been on social media and that pops up and I will just watch it and tear up and then go about my day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You okay? Yeah, I'm fine. It's, it's all good. Um, so, so yeah. So I've I've watched those things, but this will be my first, I think, complete walk watch through. And I'm open if you guys want to watch it in chronological and. Um, Episode order, like like launch order, I'm fine with that. But I I think I would prefer to watch it in chronological order. Yep, I think that would be a fun thing because I haven't watched it that way before. That's I started to, but I got stuck at some. I forget what I got stuck at something. I think it was one of the Iron Mans. <laughs> oh God, I love the Iron Mans. The 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 this, both sequels to Iron Man One get so much flack, but I I really like both of them. I honestly think it was Iron Man One that I got stuck on. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not because it's not because I don't enjoy it. It was like I think I had just watched the first two. Like I watched um Captain America and Captain Marvel. And then I was just like I've seen this. I had seen Iron Man was one that I had seen recently. I had rewatched for some reason. I'm like I don't know if I want to rewatch it again. <laughs> but I will. I will. I'll go back and watch it. It's all good. Um, anything else? I feel like I've, I feel like I've just kind of vomited geekiness this morning. That's perfect. That's great. <laughs> no, I've got, I've got a big painting due, uh, tomorrow. So I have been mostly working on school stuff and just honestly watching as many WandaVision breakdown videos as possible. So, and there is so much, oh my God, Joe, next week's show is going to be packed. Yeah. Cause it's. <laughs> I want spoilers. I think that's why we're doing this. <laughs> I yes. just want to know what happened. This is why I want to talk about this. Uh, wanted to talk about the nature of spoilers with you today, for sure. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. Well, then let's go to commercial break, and then we will be back, and we will talk about spoilers. So spoilers. We're talking about spoilers. When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the geek to geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like... Video games! Star Wars! Beep, 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 beep. Comics! Movies, K-pop, Disney Plus, Keanu. Keanu Reeves, new, or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep. And each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes. Keanu. Yeah, let's do it. And we're back, and we are talking about spoilers. Are they good? Are they bad? Do we care about them? What's going on? 
Um, I wanted to start with, with um, like reciting the prologue of Romeo and Juliet, but I thought, thought that was a little bit pretentious, so I won't do that. But um, <laughs> Wait, what gave you the idea to do that? Well, they mentioned it in, in one of the videos that you sent me, and I was like, oh, yeah, because the first monologue in – the prologue in Romeo and Juliet is a spoiler. It basically really? said – Yeah, well, okay, now that, now that you've opened up the window – I've never noticed. I never caught that before. Yeah. So, so two households, both alike in dignity, in fair Verona, where we lay our scene, from ancient grudge break to new mutiny, where civil blood makes civil hands unclean. From forth the fatal loins of these two foes, a pair of star-crossed lovers take their life, whose misadventures, piteous overthrows, doth with their death bury their parents' strife. So basically, right Holy there, in the first eight lines of the play, they're like, all right, there's these two households. They hate each other. Um, their kids fall in love, kill each other, end the feud. Why would he do that? Um, I'm guessing because the whole point is to it, – it's, it's, the, it's the dramatic irony. The audience knows what's going to happen before the characters do. Okay, we need to come back to that because I, I want to preface this conversation by saying uh, I, I wrote to Joe and suggested uh, we talk about spoilers on today's episode uh, because – and we were going to originally – I had to look up what we were originally going to talk about, Joe, because <laughs> I know I suggested that too, but I forgot. And I was like, what was it? It was Patrick Willems' um, gr- excellent YouTube video essay on whether or not superhero movies should be rated R. Like what's the point of, of rated R superhero movies? Right. Which uh, I think is a discussion that we'll do at some point. And I really enjoyed it. And one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about it, Joe, is because he posted that and got a fuck ton of aggravation from Snyder fans on Twitter. <laughs> of course he did. To the point that he deleted his fucking tweet. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. But um, so, you know, I wanted to talk about that with you. But this came up because of WandaVision specifically. Um, and it kind of, for me, opened up this whole, you know, dialogue about the nature of spoilers. Um, I follow on Twitter. I follow Clarkisha Kent. She is amazing. She's an amazing writer. Her content is great. It's one of my she's one of my favorite follows on Twitter. She's at at I write all day uh, underscore Clarkisha Kent check her out, but she posted something. Um, and by the way, she's recently um, fully supported by her Patreon followers. So if if you check her out and you like her content, please support her Patreon. Uh, she's an amazing writer, uh, black woman, a uh, great content. And uh, she commented on WandaVision. She said, on February 5th, she said, let me go on ahead and mute that Disney plus show because these spoilers are aggressive. And I fully like felt that like Mm -hmm. (laughs) it is so hard to avoid WandaVision spoilers every Friday to the point where it almost feels like people are, are enjoying posting their knowledge as soon as they can, which is, different than what what i'm used to (laughs) usually people are trying you know maybe someone will give a spoiler and be like oh sorry or be like oh what's the big deal but this feels like a rush to social media to say oh my god did you see this thing i saw it first 
Mm-hmm. And so I, I replied that I adopted, I've adopted the practice of waking up 30 minutes earlier every Friday just to watch WandaVision before I get out of bed. Like before I even get out of bed and yeah. get onto social media, I'm watching WandaVision. And so that kind of kicked off this whole uh, conversation that I wanted to have with you today. Yeah, no, I think I, I agree. And it's funny because as I was watching the videos you sent me, uh, and we'll have all of these in the show notes. Um, I I kind of feel like you can't just say spoilers because I feel like there's different types of spoilers. There's different reasons for spoiling. There's different thi- – like spoiling different things have different reactions. Um, I, I don't think that spoilers are we, – we've kind of lumped them all together, but I don't think they're the same thing necessarily across the board. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, it's so cool to see in the notes how you really dug in <laughs> with this topic. And like, cause, cause some of the videos are really interesting that I came across on YouTube. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I, yeah, I wanted to go back to get back to Shakespeare mm-hmm. now that we've sort of, you know, intro the, the genesis of this topic for today. What, again, I'm curious as to one, did Shakespeare, do this with any of his other plays and two what is what is the motivation for starting this story this way in regards to what you called uh you what did you called it tr- tragic no you called it dramatic dramatic irony dramatic irony can you talk more about that mr english teacher yes <laughs> uh, and just a just a, a disclaimer i am while i do teach shakespeare i teach it from a theater point of view and I, I very much feel that you should uh, – there are very few English teachers out there that can teach Shakespeare because it is not meant to be literature. And so – Wow. Uh, I never considered that. Yeah, it's not meant – because it was never – like this is something that's not well known about Shakespeare is it wasn't written down by Shakespeare. Like he would give you – if you were in his shows, if you were in his company, he would give you a scroll with your lines and maybe your cue line. But he didn't sit down and – because, I mean, it's not like they had printing presses. I mean, they, they, they didn't have access to mass printing. So he's not going to sit there and copy out 20 copies of a play. So he would just give you your – part and oh. he would hand you the scroll and that's why we talk about hand um handing out rolls for a play because that's what it was it was a roll of parchment that you holy would, shit yeah this this is why i love teaching shakespeare because it's all full of all sorts of little nuggets like that so if he hands you a, a roll or a scroll that has your lines on it how mm-hmm. do you know when to speak your lines well and occasionally he would write your cue line but you know, you got to remember, there's a lot of um, a lot of monologues in Shakespeare, mm. and my assumption is he would sit there and write your line on your page and leave a space, and on the page next to him would write their line. So you just knew there was a line there. Wow! And then during rehearsal, he'd tell you where it all went. That's so, how I'm assuming. I mean, we don't right. know for sure, but right. So the reason why we got them all written is because after he died, you've got to remember these actors all performed all of the plays at the same time. So he would write one and it would just go into the repertoire of these actors. Mm -hmm. And every morning they'd wake up and they'd look and see what the flag was, what the poster was on the theater. And they're like, okay, I guess we're doing Hamlet today. 
Wow. And everybody, you know, all the people in the, the, the city would go, oh, okay, they're doing Hamlet today. Do I want to go see Hamlet? Yeah, let's go see Hamlet. Um, <laughs> and, and you know, you just had your role that you always played. So, uh, you know, and you'd play like 10 different roles. So uh, what happened was when he died, the actors went, well, fuck, <laughs> now what do we do? <laughs> We're not going to get any more of these. Let's write them all together and publish them. Uh, so that we can make some money off of that. And so what they did is they got together and they're like, all right, what was your line then? Okay. And they'd write it down and they basically just kind of verbatim remembered their lines and wrote it down. Mm. And wow. so, yeah. And so for, for Shakespeare, like you're, you're not supposed to look at it as a piece of literature because without the intent behind the words, you're not going to understand it. Mm. And so if you've ever gone, I don't get why people like Shakespeare, you know, it's because an English teacher probably ruined it for you because they approached it like literature instead of like drama. Wow. I never considered that. Yeah. So that's my little, that's my little Shakespeare rant. But to the actual point, (laughs) um, dramatic irony is when the audience knows what's going to happen without but the but the, uh, the the character doesn't, and it happens in literature. It happens mm. in plays. It happens in television. When you know something is going to happen, the author wants you to know that this is going to happen because they want to you to see it kind of come about, and that's the dramatic tension they're trying to create. Is how right. is this character going to deal with something? You know the shark is coming, right? But they don't know that the shark is coming. Right, right. And that happens in movies a lot. Yeah. And and it's and so that is sometimes authors do want to spoil their stuff up front because it's not in their mind the end that they're trying to get to. It's the process they're trying to show you. And so this this gets starts to get at the really complex nature of spoilers because knowing that when and let's keep using your your shark example, you know the audience is going to know that the shark is coming before the characters on screen know the shark is coming. So then one might say, Oh, then it doesn't matter if I tell you before you watch the movie that at some point there's going to be a shark coming, but the moment in the movie, when the audience learns ahead of the characters that the shark is coming is also still a dramatic moment for the audience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's like levels of drama. (laughs) <laughs> right? Right. No matter where the audience is in their knowledge and respect to the characters on screen, every point is an opportunity for for drama. Right. And and so one of the things that I was thinking about, and I apologize if I'm jumping the gun here, but um, I think for you and I, like we're going to have different levels of enjoyment from a Marvel universe work Mm -hmm. than our significant others. That's so true. Not just because we're more tuned in and we are aware of how one movie ties into the next because we're invested, but we have read these stories in their comic book form ahead of time. Mm -hmm. So we know going into it, that Thanos is going to snap. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> Thanos is going to snap away half the universe. We may not know who is going to get snapped away, but we know it's going to happen. 
So for somebody going into <laughs> that that movie, um, for somebody watching that movie for the first time and not knowing, for the maths in the world, he doesn't know that that snap's coming. So for him, the spoiler is half the universe is going to get snapped away. For us, the spoiler is which Avengers are going to go away in the snap. That's interesting because that also speaks to your expectations of the interpretation from comic books to movies. Because I, for instance, didn't know what to expect at the end of Infinity War because I thought, okay, my experience with the with the MCU thus far had been just because it happened in the comics doesn't mean it's going to happen in the movies or it may not happen the way it happened in the comics. Right. So I honestly didn't know or didn't necessarily expect that half of the Avengers would be gone at the end of Infinity War. You you seem to you read that way ahead. Oh yeah. I, I and you were like you were um firm in that expectation. I was not. I was like, anything could still happen at the end of this movie. Like, what if Thanos doesn't um, succeed in his snap, but he meets death at the end of Infinity War and then decides to give it another go in Endgame, which we didn't know the title of Endgame at that point. You know what I mean? Right, but, right. But like, it, it, it didn't, for me, it didn't necessarily mean that he was going to succeed at the end. Right. So I I was still surprised when the snap happened and <laughs> and I remember talking to you in our review episode afterwards because I just thought oh shit half of them are gone and the way they did it was brutal which again oh, yeah it was painful which is is when we t- start talking about maybe spoilers enhance the artistic enjoyment um you know, it's not always about what happens, but the way it happens, right? Exactly. So, so the way it snapped away, the, the way the way they disappeared was brutal. But I remember talking to you about it afterwards, and you were sort of like, "Yeah, I kind of had a feeling that they were going to leave behind the six original Avengers," and I was like, "Holy shit! I didn't, <laughs> like, I didn't <laughs> think about that." Like, so I was still caught up in the emotional experience you were already sort of ahead the ahead of the game into the analytical experience. Yeah, well, and not to say that I wasn't having an emotional reaction because, dear God, I mean, like, the, they, it was handled so masterfully because they made sure that somebody who was close to that person experienced their disappearance. Right. Like, you watched Rocket see Groot disappear. Oh. You watched Iron Man watch Spider-Man disappear. That's a great point. You watched Okoye watch Black Panther disappear. Like That's you right. like you experienced that. You watched Cap watch Bucky like you just you just watched one person after the other as their closest friend or relative or whatever disappeared. And it was just like yeah, I'm getting emotional thinking about it because it was such right. so well done. So and even if you knew like you expected that they would leave behind the six Avengers, even that they still put you in the emotional shoes of those characters that were staying behind and watching that horror happen in front of them. Exactly. And for me, I, I even back then, this is not me jumping on the WandaVision, WandaVision bandwagon. So I, I think, I think Ray will vouch for me on this. Scarlet Witch has always been one of my favorite characters. Definitely top 10, possibly top five. Mm. And so I'm sitting there going, I hope 
they don't snap away Wanda because Wanda is such a great character. And I want to see like, if she's one of the remaining, if she's one of the stars of this next show, this next movie, then that's going to be, that's going to be so cool. Cause we'll get to see more of her. And part of me was hoping that who was going to get snapped mm. was Captain America and Iron Man and um, Thor and the people that have been there for a while. Because then what you happen have happened is you're leaving behind the people who don't work, haven't worked together, mm-hmm. who don't know each other very well, right. and who have to now get those people back. Right. But as I was seeing it happen, of course, as she goes, I was like, God damn it. Like I was upset because I, was like, <laughs> I wanted her to stay so that I could see more of her. And But then as I saw what they did, the English teacher in me goes, oh, there's the story arc. We right. started with the Avengers. We're going to end with these Avengers. Right. And, right. and so, so I could appreciate it on a literary level. I mean, I have, I have used the MCU in my English classes, and I feel very confident <laughs> that I could te- teach a kick-ass Marvel Universe as literature class because yeah. it is so well done that you can look at it as a piece as a work of literature let me ask you real quick uh what when you say as literature what what defines something as literature for you i tend to i tend to throw literature around as just anything that is written down with purpose okay and i think that's why i don't consider shakespeare literature because it was not written down with purpose interesting um it it you cannot have Shakespeare without the performance. So, okay. So is, is, oh shit. You're blowing my mind with the Shakespeare stuff, man. So, um, so <laughs> next is, time I teach it, I'll let you know, you can zoom in. Yeah. <laughs> so is, is any story that's written down literature in your eyes? Um, cause you can't say anything written down because if I write down a grocery list, that's not literature. <laughs> right, I think, but again, I think it's a it's a, it's it, anything that's a composed story. Okay, like it has to it has to be like that's why I say written written with purpose. Yeah, that makes sense, and I feel like the word the term literature kind of comes with this sort of elitist kind of you know uh, uh, I don't know like care about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But no, I like that. Just like any anything written with purpose yeah because because the the idea is is your 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 craft like literature is like it's a different art form just what? like you would sit down and 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 paint something with purpose sitting down and writing something with with purpose you're creating literature what about abstract non-narrative writing that is still written with purpose is that literature yeah okay i like i like anything written with purpose that's that makes more sense now than you know a story. Anything and, with a story. And Miriam Webster may not agree with me. That's just that's just kind of when I use it how I yeah. how I toss it around. So one of the things I love your again, I love your notes in the in the show notes here because you wrote what constitutes a spoiler? We are guarding the element of surprise. When you when you write that, who do you mean as we? The, um, the storytellers or the audience? Um, the, the first one we're talking about here, the let's talk about spoilers was the book reviewer. Okay. And what she was talking about is when we're trying to prevent ourselves from spoilers. So if it was quotes, it was somebody said this. Um, so she said that we are gu- guarding the element of surprise. Mm. So for her, that's what 
we're we're protecting when we're not giving away spoilers mm. is we're protecting that element of surprise. Okay. And I think I wrote later down, um, I wrote down later. Um, and this is a book olive on YouTube. I just want to give credit to the videos that we're referencing, but they will be uh, listed with our, our notes. Yeah. They'll be in the show notes. Um, I don't remember where I wrote it down, but it was this kind of idea that, um, one of the studies, I think that's our spoilers actually good. They looked at studies where they tried to determine if knowing the, um, knowing about something enhanced it or decreased mm-hmm. the enjoyment of it. And what mm-hmm. they seem to kind of get at is that it increases the familiarity with the work. Yes. And so if it's something that being familiar with it made it more enjoyable, then it enhanced the enjoyment. Yes. But if it was something that relied on an emotional reaction or a surprise, then it lessened the effect. Right, right. And then that gets to like the nature of the of the story that you're consuming. You know, some things are made to reward rewatches and some mm-hmm. things are not. Yeah. For example, I know the ending of usual suspects and have not seen the movie because it got spoiled for me. I have, because that is so surprise focused, like, like spoiling that tends to make it harder to have the experience that the author intended. Yes. Yes. And, and yeah, this is a good video that kind of gets into that. Uh, our, that we're referencing right now are spoilers actually good by Thomas flight on YouTube. Um, what this with this and the other video you just mentioned got me thinking about was how there are two, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to enjoy something, but it seems like in regards to spoilers, there are two main versions of enjoyment that we get. And I wrote them down in my notes as, uh, there's an emotional enjoyment and there's an analytical enjoyment, mm-hmm. right? And and I tend to be someone, the reason I watch movies is for the emotional experience, mm-hmm. which then would make sense that I am, I guard against spoilers more than anyone I know. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't even want to know if you thought it was good or bad because I feel like anything like that can start to position some sort of expectations within me. And I don't even want that. I don't even want to know that so-and-so thought this was good because even that affects my sort of going in, you know, completely raw. Right. Right. But I don't know about you, but I like with WandaVision, I'm the the part of the fun of it, and we talked about this when we did our our episode on it, was I I enjoy all the all the the guesswork that we do, which in our way was we're spoiling our we're potentially spoiling ourselves. Right, right. Well, you you seem to me, and this again just ties directly into our conversations about WandaVision, you seem to be someone who really gets the the bulk of your enjoyment out of an analytical viewing. Would would I, would I be not saying only, but I'm saying more than. 
it's Would you funny agree with that or not? Because I, I do think that that's probably true, mostly because it is very hard. And I think it is on, on some level harder for you, you too. We, we do so much analysis and I've done so much analysis that if we see foreshadowing, we see it like from miles away. Like That's so true, Joe. It's very hard to not spoil things for us. And when when a when a show or a movie or a book can get us where we didn't see something coming, we just we like we like we slow cap stand we slow clap standing ovation it. Yeah, it is a it is a high that I chase with every single viewing experience that I have. I mean, we we have we have gone and looked up entire catalogs of people's work because they've had one twist ending that we didn't call, and we're like, okay, did they do? Can they do this again? Yes, exactly. That is so true, man. That it's like when you get to a certain—I don't know what it is—if it's just like experience watching stuff, or maybe it's experience analyzing stuff, or maybe it's like knowledge and study of story structure. You just, it, it's, yeah, it's kind of a given for me that I'm going to see things coming a mile away. Um, and, and so when I can have that experience of, oh my God, I have no idea where this is going next. That is literally a high that I chase every, with every single thing that I watch. The, the most intensely that I can think of ever feeling that uh, was with what is to this day my favorite movie of all time. And that's Fight Club. Uh, which I literally just rewatched two nights ago uh, with my partner who had never seen it before. And I was just like, I'm so jealous for you because you can only watch something the first time once mm-hmm. <laughs> after that, you've, you'll, you'll, you know, you can never watch it for the first time again. And I remember being in the movie theater in 1999, 20 years old, a couple years into college, you know, deep, deep into my research and study of storytelling at that time, because that was basically what I studied in college, in art school, watching Fight Club, and I'm not going to spoil this story, even though this is over 20 years old, but there was a moment in that movie where, I, I mean, early on, you can kind of tell, I feel like, Joe, you, you can tell when you're in the hands of of an experienced storyteller who just knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And you can sort of relax in the first act and go, oh, I'm in good hands here. Like this person is going to take me on a ride and they're skilled at what they do. And this is going to be so enjoyable. And I can sort of stop noticing the the writer's notes mm-hmm. <laughs> as I watch mm-hmm. this and just sort of take it in. That's mm-hmm. one level of enjoyment. Still, sometimes you can see where things are going. But yes. that second level where you're like, what the fuck? So there's a moment in Fight Club where there's sort of like the audience is given a bit of information. And I literally, Joe, turned to the person sitting next to me who I did not know. This person was a complete <laughs> stranger. I turned to her and I said, oh, my God. And I like said what it what they were telling us. And she looked at me and she went, holy shit. <laughs> and I turned back to the, to the screen and kept watching. And our significant others on the opposite side of us were like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh we that were, is brilliant. <laughs> so we were so caught up in the moment. And we were both sort of like having this shared experience about this story. 
Um, I'll oh never God, what that. amazing, what an amazing, <laughs> amazing experience. That is, that is movie theaters, man. That's what I miss about movie theaters. Oh, I so miss time, movie theaters, you know, in a pandemic, it's like, it's that collective ex- story experience and, uh, you don't always get it. You know, I remember people laughing through, you know, crouching tiger, hidden dragon and shit like that. But when you do get it, it's, it's pretty amazing. And so, um, yeah, I mean, this is this is that that like you said, you can you can see things being telegraphed a mile away, and I think with WandaVision kind of bringing it back, I think that's why I struggled so much through the first two or three episodes, right? Because I already knew this was not what the show was gonna be. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's another. So let's just get through this. <laughs> <laughs> to let's, get let's get to the airport airport fights fight scene. Yes, because I couldn't just sit and enjoy the 1950 sitcom episode for what it was because I don't really enjoy 1950 sitcoms. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they were doing that well, and by all accounts, they did that very well. Yes. I just it just you know I, I it wasn't a sit back and enjoy the ride kind of experience for me. Mm-hmm. I do have to say that my my experience, like your Fight Club experience, was seven. Oh God! <laughs> I remember watching that in the film. I watched it with my friend Carlo. Oh, I, I can't remember if it was late high school or early college, but I remember it must have been early college because we we wouldn't have been in a narrated movie if it was high school. But um, I remember that the credits started like the movie ends, the credits start rolling. Nobody in the theater moves. <laughs> the credits finish moving. Nobody in the theater oh, moves. God. The lights come up and people just kind of look around at each other and go, yeah, I guess we should go now <laughs> <laughs> because it had such that, that emotional dramatic reveal that you didn't see yep. coming. <laughs> That's one that I've still got cocked in the chamber, Joe. I'm bringing that out soon, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, because well, we did a. Um, I'm such a fucking nerd. We did a like a Brad Pitt night the other night because mm-hmm. um, I really wanted to. I wanted Rosie to see uh, Benjamin Button, the Curious Case of Benjamin Button, because mm-hmm. we had we had been some of our our conversations that we had been having about our own lives. To me, kind of like some of those themes were mirrored in that movie. And I don't feel like it's a super popular movie, but I have a, uh, I've got a soft spot for Benjamin button. And so we watched it and I had a feeling she would enjoy it, which she did very much enjoy it. And then I was like, this is the second movie that Brad Pitt made with David Fincher. Uh And she's like, Oh, what's the first movie? And I'm like, fight club. And she's like, isn't that your favorite movie? I'm like, yeah, let's watch it. And she was like, all right. So we jumped into fight club. (laughs) Um, and so now that we're in David Fincher land, I'm thinking, oh no, there's another movie that they made together and that's seven. So we sort of have to watch that one now. Uh, so it's funny that you brought that up. Um, gosh, yeah, that is a, did you know that Andrew Kevin Walker, the guy who wrote seven, he wrote it while he was an employee at tower records. I think I'd heard something about that. And he would work at Tower Records every day because he just he needed a job that he could pay his bills with, but also not take home with him so that he could continue to research and write the script he was working on. And then he sold the script and then became a screenwriter. Wow, that's really cool. Isn't that? 
Yeah. And I mean, I would imagine that you would have to, you would have, your life kind of goes on hold if you're going to write that movie. That movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Yes. Yes. You kind of have to go into your own little pocket dimension to get through that movie. Do you think a movie like that, there are like also usual suspects, which you mentioned, it's kind of about the reveal. It especially, is. Especially usual suspects, right? It's like, yeah. I mean, there's maybe some rewatch value in that, but it does seem like M. Night Shyamalan tried to make a career of it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which he was succeeding at at first. Yeah, I, I was gonna put. I was gonna put. Um, uh, what is it, the one with? Uh, oh God, Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense. That's the one. Unbreakable. There's signs. There's. I think the village is where he kind of jumped the shark. Yeah, yeah, it started getting a little weird after yeah. that. But I, I, Sixth Sense, I thought was really like I. Yeah. I hadn't put two and two together. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of those where like, yes, I will subscribe to your newsletter. Yeah. <laughs> what else do you have for me to watch? And then I was just like, oh, okay, I'm done. So what's I feel like then what separates some of these kind of you know twists from others is uh are you enjoying the ride even before the twist? Because right. like for me, Fight Club is that. Like it was mm-hmm. already something that I had never seen before, the way they were critiquing corporate culture, the way they were critiquing capitalism, the way it was funny in a really, really dark way, the way it was, you know, it just captured something that at the time really spoke to me. And then to on top of that, <laughs> have, a, have a twist that I didn't see coming was just, you know, it was gravy. It was, it was the icing on the cake. Yeah. And so that's why I think it's very hard to put spoilers into one bucket like i feel that some spoilers are fine some spoilers are fun i find i find i i don't normally spoil things but i'm really bad at spoiling tv show episodes to my family (laughs) while we are watching it Like I've never seen it before, but but you know I've mentioned that Matt and his parents and I watch a lot of crime dramas, and whenever we get in between episodes, my mother-in-law will go, "Okay, Joe," and I'm like, "I think it's this, this, and this." <laughs> She's like, "Okay," um, and they don't oh, seem wow. to mind. There's been a couple of times where Matt's like, "Just don't say anything. <laughs> I yeah. just want to enjoy the show," but because we've got that that kind of um idea of how the story's gonna play out we'll 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 call our shot. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I love that. And I and I think that's and I think that's something that a lot of people are doing with spoilers right now. That's what that's why people are posting so much stuff about WandaVision is everybody wants to call their shot. Everybody wants to be able to say that they're the one who predicted what was gonna happen. I mean we've done that. I've tweeted yeah. out, oh shit, Joe and I talked about this two episodes ago. But that's a lot, that's very different from watching the episode and then running online and saying, "Oh my god, when this happened, I was shocked were you." And it's like, mm-hmm. "Hey, <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's been out a couple hours. Like give people a chance to like enjoy it, you know? Like we have jobs here." And I think I think in some cases that's people just being dicks. But I do think that there's some people like we crave this, especially now we crave this shared experience. Oh, I think it's people going, I think in many cases, it's these people going, I'm so excited about this. I don't have the patience to sit on it. 
I mean, you and I know this feeling. <laughs> like, we're experiencing it right now. <laughs> we we go to break, guys. Like for the for the listening audience, uh, we go to break and basically have to remind each other not to talk about Wandavision because we're trying to save it for next week. Yep, and I've been in a text chain saying text chat about WandaVision where I go, Oh, I don't want to get into this. I want, I'm saving it for Joe. Like we're going to, we're going to talk yeah, about it. Yeah, I don't, don't want to yeah, do it all here. Because, because we've, we've kind of adopted the thing where our, our, our comic book store conversation is what's going to happen next in the MCU. Like that's what yeah. we would spend hours sitting and talking about with our comic book guy. So, so one thing that Robert McKee, talks about in his uh, book on screenwriting called story is how smart audiences are Mm -hmm. that when you get a group of together to sit in the theater and watch a movie, they become story experts. It's just like this collective knowledge that Mm -hmm. we've we're building about stories just from consuming movies. And so as a writer, you have to consider that and try to be at least a step ahead of your audience. Not always, but it's important to pull that off. Um, and I think that speaks to what you're talking about in terms of like, we want this collective experience. And I think that's one of the reasons why film YouTube, I feel is getting more and more popular. There's more and more of these, you know, uh, essayists showing up on YouTube. And I think collectively this, we're seeing people get more and more, uh, become more and more aware of storytelling mechanics yeah. and calling shots and that sort of thing. So, man, it's got to be really hard to be a creator <laughs> nowadays. Like, you have to really try hard to stay ahead of your audience. Well, and but I mean, we, we talked about this, I think, a little bit last week or the week before, where we were talking about the difference between the MCU and Game of Thrones, yeah. where Game of Thrones actively tried to not have the audience be right just where, for the sake of that yeah just because they wanted they wanted everybody to not be spoiled and it ended up tripping them up because they couldn't tell the story that they wanted to tell yes where i feel like when we're dealing with the marvel universe there is a story they want to tell and they kind of get a a high off of the audience figuring it out true because they they see it as people so invested in it that they want to do this research they want to do this um you know they they want to they want to predict what's going to happen they want to try and figure it out they want to they're they're so excited for what's coming next that we can't we can't just sit on it and go, well, we'll wait till it comes out. We're like, well, I think this might happen. Like we just, we're thinking about it constantly. And that's, I think a a rush for them. And I think it shows that they've done a very good job in creating a world that we're all invested in. That to me paints the MCU storytellers collectively as storytelling from a very secure place. Mm-hmm. And and Game of Thrones storytellers as very insecure storytellers because right. it almost seems like they didn't they just assumed that most of the enjoyment for their audience was just coming from being surprised mm-hmm. and not they didn't have faith in the 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 audience their audience's love of the characters and just the unfolding of it you know what I mean. Right. Like, like if we're not surprising them, they're going to be disappointed. And it's like, no, no, no. 
we love your characters enough that even if we called it, we're still going to enjoy it. You know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. and I think Marvel gets that. Yeah. They're like, Definitely. They're, yeah, they're very secure about the audience's love of these characters. Cause they've worked at it. Well, they've worked at it and they're telling stories that have already been told in a new way. We all know that this material is based on something that so many people have read and that has been out for decades. Yeah. So it's not like we're going into this cold and they know we're not going into this cold. Mm-hmm. But what they've they've got the opportunity to do and are doing an amazing job with is like we're going to take this nugget of this story and we're going to put it <laughs> we're going to retcon this universe in a way that makes sense. Yes. And so you're going to recognize it and you're going to appreciate it and you're going to go oh my god that's from X. Mm-hmm. No pun intended. Um <laughs> but the journey is still going to be fun because you don't know how it's all going to fit together. You you made a note here in regards to spoiler studies. You said short. You said short stories and television are different. Can you, can um, you talk to that? Yes, because one of the things they found in the the study that they were doing about spoilers and if they're good or bad, and it was kind of inconclusive at the end of it. Um, although they did say that it, I think I mentioned earlier that um, understanding what's going to happen is a lot more important for like that makes people enjoy things more sometimes than being surprised. Mm -hmm. Like if you're, if you're understanding it, then it it increases that enjoyment. And I think that's why they found that short stories and television tend to be a little bit different Mm -hmm. because reading takes a little bit more work on the consumers part you have to kind of invest in creating that world in your brain. And so having a little bit more of a knowledge of what's going to happen helps you create that clearer vision as you go, Mm -hmm. where I think TV is already laid out there for you. And so you're purely experiencing it. Mm. And so knowing something going into that might disrupt that because you're waiting for it to happen or you're aware of it. And so it's not as, it's not as helpful to know the information because you don't have to do as much work to get it. This makes me, make sense. This makes me think of why I'm not really into television. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, do I just want to do the work? Am I just a masochist in that way? Or uh, <laughs> I also well, think- and I think that's why I think that's why it's become TV has become so much more popular nowadays is because I think with Netflix and a lot of these other um, streaming services that are making their own material they're looking at it as more of a cinematic storytelling style than a TV series style where we're going to add episodes to make sure we've got 22 episodes and that's how it fits. Right. Right. There are, I wonder if, you know, in your, in your story about watching stuff with your in-laws and sort of trying to call your shot. um, I wonder if some of that is a case that I've experienced where people sometimes want spoilers because the, they're not good at at kind of holding tension as they're watching mm-hmm. that story. Mm-hmm. And so these, well, these tend to be people that don't really are not big fans of horror movies where, you know, they need some sort of relief. And if they have a spoiler, like, just let me know that this person survives or just yeah. let me know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they'll, they'll enjoy the story. And to me, I'm like, that's blasphemy. Like, I would never ruin the experience for you in that way you should take you know you you should be able to 
uh, experience all of the tension that this filmmaker can ratchet up as possible. But that's that's where my enjoyment comes from, right? Yeah. Have you have you ever watched? Are you a Friends fan at all? Yeah, yeah, I've seen Friends. So, so the episode where Joey puts the the book how in the dare, freezer. How dare you make me admit that? But yes, I've watched Friends. <laughs> <laughs> Not cool, Joe. Not cool. <laughs> Sorry, bud. <laughs> Sorry uh, about that. Yeah, yeah. Where he's reading Little Women, and uh, I think Rachel puts the book in the freezer because no, or, well, or the, the, the way it goes because I've used oh, this before. Um, he's reading The Shining, Shining, and he puts the book in the freezer, and Rachel finds it. That's and right. so they trade books and he gives her little women. He's like, ah, oh, little women. It's not going to be that good. It's going to be whatever. Yeah. And, and he gets, <laughs> yeah. And so, um, and so, uh, when she comes back at the end of the episode, he's put little women in the freezer because, um, one of the women gets sick and he, she, he just can't take the suspense anymore. So it can't hurt him if it's in the freezer. <laughs> right. Right. I have had that experience cause I never finished the sort of genre because my favorite character got, really wounded in a battle. And I'm like, I don't care if he, if he survives or not, I can't take this. I don't want to know if he lives or dies. Oh, I'm wow. just putting the book down. I never finished the book. I was like, I'm done. Wow. I, can't, I can't do this. Um, that's the only book I think that's ever happened where I was so invested in a character that when they got wounded, I'm like, I, I if I don't read forward, they can't die. And I, they will live forever and I'll be fine. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't, um, I don't understand that that point of view that wants to be spoiled because they don't want tension to be a part of their experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does exist. I've had people ask me to spoil things for them as we're watching, and I'm like, I, I'm sorry, but I can't. We, we're we you signed a contract. <laughs> you're, you're gonna take this There's no getting off the roller coaster in the middle of the ride. Sorry. Well, Matt and I are both struggling with this with um with making a murderer. Mm-hmm. Like we like it goes back and forth so much, and you are so confused as to whether or not this guy is guilty or not. Mm. And you're so invested every time you are positive that he's being framed. They give you an, some evidence that makes you think, oh, no, maybe maybe he really did do it. And then as soon as you are like convinced that he did it and he needs to be put away, they give you some evidence that maybe he's being framed. And it's driving us nuts. That's why I was like, we went to bed really late last night because, and I never do this. I'm like, my hard cutoff is at 10. Like if the show's <laughs> not over at 10, we're not even starting it. And I think the show ended at nine 30 and I looked at Matt and they're hour long episodes. I looked at Matt and like, we're walking the dog. We're coming back and we're watching the next episode. <laughs> and we, I didn't get bed until like midnight last night. And, and both of us have said that we are resisting going online because it's news. Like this is a real event. Yeah, And so we're resisting going online to figure out what happened, but it is so hard because it's so, there's so much tension right. and there's so much, oh my God, I just want to know what happens, but it would ruin that back and forth journey. So we're, we're resisting it, but it is very hard because it is painful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know that feeling for sure. Um, I'm, I'm actually proud of how much we've been, we've managed to, even though we, we spoiled infinity, war saga and a little bit and we should give a spoiler warning at the, at the beginning of this well, I, I did i did at one point as i was starting to say it okay uh, so i think yeah. that's okay 
And uh, but the rest of the of the stories that we've referenced, I'm glad that we've avoided spoilers. It's I'm kind of proud of that. It's something that I take a lot of pride in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Pride. I agree. I agree. And this is this um, conversation has helped me to wait <laughs> for WandaVision and our conversation around WandaVision next week. Well, and then the other thing is, is that I, I put in the notes, somebody mentioned um, because somebody, one of the videos you sent me was somebody who was getting very upset because the people in the comments, he was, he was doing, oh, yeah, yeah, he was experiencing an anime and he was kind of doing his summary and his um, reviews as it went. Mm-hmm. And people would spoil things in the comments for him. And he's like, you need to stop yeah. because I know he goes, I think, as, as I said before, I think a lot of people are doing it because they're so excited and not necessarily just to be assholes. And but I think there are people out there that are trying to be assholes. And they, But they've read the manga, so they're, yeah. they're, they're coming from that. It's like us going, well, in the comics, this happens. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, we, but we put spoiler warning before it because we know people might think that that's, you know, they might not want to know that information. We don't know if it's true or not, if that's what they're going to do or not, but it might be. It's a potential spoiler. And um, yeah, to that point, what I've noticed in a lot of these video essays, people saying possible spoilers, meaning yes. this is our theory. And if we're correct, you're going to be spoiled, but we don't know yet. And to me, I'm like, that's not a spoiler. That's a guess. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I mean, if, if it has some basis in existing material, then it's much more likely to be a spoiler than just a guess. Look, yeah. When it comes to WandaVision, we don't know if or who would be the protagonist. People are saying, I'm sorry, the antagonist. People are saying Wanda is the antagonist. People are saying it could be someone else. People are saying based on the text, it could be this person or this person or this person. But we don't know. We have no idea where this story is going. And at this point, I, I can count at least four separate possible bad guys in this series, and they're all completely different. From the text, too. In the text, there's two or three different people it could be. Yeah. So if if there is anybody at all, because there might not be. So mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like I, that's, I guess that's why I'm saying even if you, you're calling from the text, you still don't know. Right. But but going back to this guy's point is is he he basically said to his viewing audience, he's like, look, you've got to understand, I know where you're excited. And I know you're like, oh my God, this moment in in the the show. But he said you're ruining that moment for the people that you're getting excited for experiencing this moment. Yes, yes. That was a great point. Yeah. And so I think ultimately I, I wrote down, you know, they talk about the familiarity may increase enjoyment, but full knowledge may not. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think what all of this kind of led to was that spoilers may enhance your artistic enjoyment because you can kind of focus on how the story is being told and the artistry of that story being told. The construction. The construction of it. But it's going to reduce the emotional, it could reduce the emotional investment because you're not, that that punch to the gut is not as effective. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah, spoilers. Oh, man. <laughs> it's, it felt so good to have this conversation with you at this point. 
we don't get this. We don't get this academic usually. <laughs> I feel like this is a very academic discussion. And you know, I like I said, I feel like this is the direction that audiences are going. I feel like more and more this kind of topic that previously was, you know, uh, that was kind of more academic and and you know ha- held in those circles is becoming more and more mainstream knowledge for everyone. So I think we're just we're I we're we're really just following, you know, where this is all going. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think like. I think this is a very logical discussion where we are in WandaVision. I, I once again I feel like the MCU is changing the way we deal with entertainment. Like Dude, they've totally. taken movies from being these independent things to being more like the comic series where you you're following it. Intimately, I mean, I've got twenty three movies to go through if I'm going to watch this rewatch. And yeah, before before the MCU, people were going, "Oh my God, Harry Potter did nine movies. This never happened before. The whole same cast. They completed the story, and that was a that was a bump up from what had gone. You know, there never been a franchise like that before. And as that was happening, MCU was like, "Hold my beer." Yeah, seriously, 23 movies, and now they're coming out with all these series. And, you know, at one point we were thinking that the Netflix series and the, I mean, all tied together. And it now, once again, now that they've got this new medium where they're doing streaming, they've, they've, they have taken us from the casual water cooler conversation of Game of Thrones. And they have now gotten, the average Joe to sit there and have comic book store conversations with their friends. Yeah. And I remember, I mean, shit pre game of Thrones pre lost even cause lost had kind of a zeitgeist moment as well. Oh yeah. Pre lost. I remember people, you know, talking about X files as revolutionary, mm-hmm. which it was for its time. And I remember enjoying it. But I remember, you know, people just freaking out at the fact that it's like, oh, my God, these are self-contained stories, but they're also building a larger narrative at the same time. This is mind-blowing. And I remember responding to that with, you should read comics. Yeah. (laughs) Because that you basically described the storytelling model of comic books, you know, which for us, that's what made us fans of comic books. But it was a, a, it's always been a very niche sort of fandom comic Mm -hmm. books and then you look at television and you're like okay that's a much larger you know audience and now here it is now with you know the mcu and movie all these other studios trying to do franchises it's the 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 mainstream has caught up Mm -hmm. and and do you know what three tv series x files is one of them what three tv series are usually um touted with being the first to go to this more series long storytelling convention. I'm going to say X files, Buffy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. The third one is the third one lost. No star Trek, deep space. Nine. Start. I would have never guessed star Trek. My yeah, apologies that- to Trekkies everywhere. Like halfway through deep space. Nine, a lot of people were like, we don't like deep space nine. It's a little rough. Um, and especially, I think it was, you could say Deep Space Nine Voyager, because I think Voyager also was happening at the same time, because that's when they had like fully saturated the Star Trek um, 
which I'm gonna call it this, the the audience. So like it's, we were there like three different Star Trek series going at the same time. Um, but when they switched from episodic to more of a serial format, it like everybody's like, oh my god, this is amazing! Like they're mm-hmm. telling these long arcs that cover the entire se- season, and it back then was revolutionary. And because that was being successful in Deep Space Nine, they could create a series like Voyager where the whole story was they're lost out in the far reaches of space and they have to get back because that's not an episodic story. That's a serial story. Right. Brilliant. All right. We closing this one up. Yeah, man. Do you have any other thoughts on the subject? I think we, I think we thoroughly explored it. <laughs> yeah, no, I think this was good. We 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 might have like more essay like uh, <laughs> shows in the future if you guys like it. So let yeah. us know. If, was this a was this a positive episode or was this like oh my god I do not listen to you for school <laughs> <laughs> because it could go either way. I completely understand. I'm going to move out to shout outs. I want to shout out to John Mundy, who is one of my friends from the wow world. We, we met at our last BlizzCon uh, through the girls gone. Wow. And he wrote uh, just heard show 183 and had some ideas for casting, but I see the next show is out already. That's okay. We're going to read these if you have them. So go yep. ahead and send them. Yep. I uh, haven't listened to it yet. I think Gal Gadot, for She-Hulk is not great. Now, I love Gal Gadot, and I think she's great as Wonder Woman, despite not quite fitting the body type for the role. Uh, Wonder Woman is an Amazon. She's supposed to be physically imposing, and from what little I know of the Marvel Universe, She-Hulk should be too. Mm. A good role for her would be as Elektra or Spider-Woman. The most obvious casting, I think, is Henry Cavill as Captain Britain, Mm -hmm. though I know less than nothing about the character. Ezra Miller looks the part of Namor, but Ooh. I don't think that he has the gravitas the role calls for. Ooh. Daniel Day Kim would be perfect, but I digress. That's all the ideas I had to start, and it's time for dinner, so I'll see you on the podcast. Ooh, I like Ezra Miller as Namor. I hadn't considered that one. Yeah, that's it's an interesting thought. I, I do wonder about the gravitas, but I, he might be able to pull it off. Right, right. Is Namor a regal character as well? Yeah, definitely. Oh. Namor is very stick the nose up at everybody. Yeah, but is he a prince? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. In all honesty, now that I think about it, maybe that's a good role for Ben Affleck. <laughs> uh, maybe. I don't... I, I could see that. I could see that. I don't think of Ben as a swimmer, but maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that was good. Uh, Thanks for that comment. Yeah, yeah, and keep them coming, guys. We really like that. We want, like, we we will literally, if, if a year from now you're still sending us our um, DC casting, we will we will take it. Yes. Um, but on that note, we have two questions for our listening audience who has made it this far into the show. Um, we're 15 episodes away from episode 200. I feel like that is a milestone that we need to do something with. So, if you would like to see something specific. For episode 200, please let us know because that's a big milestone and um, I'm not quite sure what we should do for it. So if you have any ideas, send them to us. So there's that. And then Ray and I are just tossing this out there. So we're not making it. You cannot hold us to this because we record very, very early in the morning (laughs) and I don't necessarily want to comb my hair. 
at eight o'clock in the morning. But um, do you want us to like if we started streaming our recording sessions live? Would you tune in? So I'm just throwing that out there. We we tend to to record at nine o'clock on Sunday morning specific time. Uh, you know, it would be interesting when you, when you said streaming live, I assumed it was just audio, but since you're talking video, uh, maybe it's time Geekitude registered a, a YouTube channel. Yeah, we could certainly start something like that. I'm doing it for, um, for as the dice roll, but I could definitely start if we started doing video, I don't think I would do what I do for as the dice roll. Cause as the dice roll is a, a series of, of audio dramas is basically what it is. We just, we're playing video games or we're playing tabletop role-playing games. Uh, so I don't feel like I have to include an image. I feel like if it's just us talking, I don't want to just throw up the logo yeah. and have audio under it. But if we switch to, to, um, to video and I can find a way to do it without mega editing. Yeah. Uh, Cause that I don't have time for, <laughs> but yeah, I could t- toss that on YouTube and I think we'd get a lot of hits. Yeah. I, man, I, yeah. We should talk about this more because I also okay. I also have to be careful about what I commit time to. Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it, it would be so cool because I I feel like a lot of our conversations do we reference visual components that obviously do not sh- are not going to show up on the podcast. Mm-hmm. But if we could have like a picture or a photo or a screenshot that comes up in the in the video as we talk about it, if I could if I could you know learn. Final Cut Pro enough to do something like that, that would be really great. But again, that, that would be a bigger project for the future. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah. So let us know. Is it something? Cause I mean, if it's just him and not, if it's just Ray and I sitting here chilling and talking, we don't have to do a whole video component Yeah. to, to do that. But if you guys are going to be online and interacting with us and we can show you what we're looking at while we're looking at it, that would be, that would be worth our time. Yeah. So that's why we're asking because if you're like, no, too early or no, not interested or no, I go to church on Sundays, um, <laughs> then, then, you know, we won't do it, but you know, we're throwing it out there as a possibility. Um, I got a shout out before we wrap up. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to shout out to Benjamin Johnson. He's uh, a friend of mine who uh, I mostly interact with on Facebook these days, although back in, in the day we were in a couple art shows together. Um, he goes by Mr. Benja as his artist name, but Benjamin uh, actually created a forum, a Facebook group um, that I'm a part of called Hero Movies, Dead or Alive. And it's a really cool group, uh, really diverse voices in this group. I'm spending more and more time interacting um, with this this group on Facebook. Uh, and the about says, comic book movies are here to stay, or will they? Who cares? We'll discuss these comic movies, <laughs> their related entities, and how they relate to the Hollywood machine. Uh, writing and product development posts encouraged. Memes are irrelevant, random, and especially unfunny are not. Oh, memes that are irrelevant, random, and especially unfunny are not encouraged. <laughs> meaning, <laughs> meaning, you know, keep keep the conversations relevant to what we're talking about here. He He's really great at promoting discussion. So I really appreciate Benjamin for that. He's an artist and entrepreneur. He's part of the reason why I wanted to have this talk about spoilers with you today, Joe, because he asked if, um, if knowing about the re- the, a recent reveal in WandaVision from knowing the cast list, did that spoil it a bit for me? 
Mm-hmm. And I mentioned that, you know, you, my podcast partner has been, you've been checking out IMDb since the start. Mm-hmm. So you, so, and, and so, you know, this is just kind of part of our, how we're taking in the show. Mm-hmm. And part of the fun for us is tracking down clues and actually trying to spoil ourselves, as you as you said earlier, uh, yeah. definitely has helped to make the slow burn pacing more bearable for us. Um, and, uh, you know, even even knowing what the cast list was doesn't necessarily mean that we know every spoiler or every surprise before it's going to happen. So um, that was one of the things that got me thinking about having this conversation. So shout out to Benjamin Johnson. Check out his work. Uh, check him out on Facebook. Um, yeah. Shout out to you, man. Thanks. Awesome. Yeah. Like seriously, dude, you don't know how hard it is not to talk to you about that. <laughs> like it's just driving me nuts. It's driving me nuts, but we're going to be good. And we're not going to talk about it till next week. And then we can at least do it every week for the last three weeks. Cool. All right. <laughs> next week. Thank God. We are talking about part two, the, the next three episodes of WandaVision and we will, um, just kind of word vomit everything we are excited about <laughs> in these three episodes. And we don't even know what the, the sixth episode is going to be about. So like I'm, I'm chomping at the bit, chomping at the bit. All the music in this episode is by Ben sound and is being used under creative commons license. You can find more music at Ben sound at Ben by Ben sound at bensound.com. See, this is what you get at nine o'clock in the morning. Um, <laughs> Uh, Geektitude is a proud member of the Geek2Geek network. Check out other Geek2Geek shows, the Geek2Geek podcast, Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea, Disney Forever, You Can't Stop Me Loving K-Pop, The Nerdberg Review, My HGTV Addiction, JRPGs and Me, Dragon Quest FM, and sometimes Rob. And please make sure to check out our newest podcast, As the Dice Roll. Also, check out our Twitch streamers, Capsule J and Bamashox. And make sure to join us in Slack or Discord where you you can chat with us in real time. You can currently find us at geektitude.com as well as on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and most other podcatchers out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at geektitude or me personally at epicgrays. Ray, where can we find you? Uh, You can find me on social media where I live. Uh, I am at Ray Vargas three. That's at Ray Vargas. And then the number three on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you want to check out my artwork, go to rayvargas3.com. And I haven't said this in a while, so I'm going to say it now. If you haven't seen Ray's artwork, like I know a lot of people out there go, yeah, I'm an artist or, oh yeah, I'm a musician or he's good. Like you need to check out his stuff. It's pretty awesome. And I haven't even seen his latest stuff yet. So go check it out. (laughs) Thanks, Joe. You're welcome. All right. That's it for this week. If you can possibly stand it, try and make it through this week. And next week, we will see you. Make sure to keep it geek.